Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So today's show, we have Julio Torado. He's the internal audit director at Spirit Bank. You might know him from when he spoke at the ISACA IAA GRC conference uh, a couple, maybe a couple months ago. And one of his topics there was the internal audit evolution and the future of internal audit or the future internal auditor. And it's something we've kind of touched on before on the show. And so one thing I really wanted Julio to hammer down is okay, this is what, like, we, I think we all know what that means at this point. Like, we're expected to know machine learning and analytics and cyber and, like, all this tech stuff, and it's always changing. And that's usually what we what we get from these conversations is that's what the future uh, internal auditor is. But something we kind of spent a lot of time on was, okay, that's what it is. How can we do that? Like, how can we become skilled in those areas and there's so much resources out there there's so many resources out there that it's um it can be kind of difficult and intimidating specifically we talk about or i think about with cybersecurity. like if you want to practice that stuff you don't want to do it on your work laptop you don't do it on a personal laptop because you don't want to break it and then have to figure out how to you know put it back together and so julio gives some really good resources of course they're all in the show notes that, that i'm about to rattle off here but cybrary.it and itpro.tv those are virtual labs so you can practice that stuff and actually do the hands-on learning and if you break it it doesn't really matter because you can just reset it kind of the idea is i mean the expectation is that you're gonna break it so those are two really good resources he also throws out coursera.org edx.org udemy.com and futurelearn.com i'm familiar with coursera and udemy i'm not familiar with the other two but julio has spent his time and money over the years figuring out where the good stuff is so uh, definitely i would start there um at the end i ask okay what's something we should do right now like we want to know security what can we do right now where should we spend our time like today like stop listening to what we're about to say and go do this and he mentions this cybersecurity newsletter called ouch and basically says just go read them all for the past like 12 months and that'll give you a really good base i think he said it'd take like an hour so it's a really good resource maybe this week during thanksgiving things are a little slower around the office if you have an hour um i would definitely definitely check that out we also talk about jujitsu and cyber and jujitsu and audit um julio has this this series on youtube with pedro serrano on 
how jujitsu, the principles of jujitsu are applied to audit and to uh, security. So it's pretty interesting. There's a link to the first episode and we kind of, we talk about it um, pretty quick, but talk about what that first episode is all about. So anyway, this was a really good episode because it, it tells you what to actually do, the steps, the actionable steps to take to become that future internal auditor. And there's a lot of really good nuggets in this one. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. Here we go. All right, so uh, I know we're going to talk about internal audit evolution and continuing your your learning journey within audit and some practical takeaways from that. But a couple things that that we've talked about that I think are, that are interesting, uh, just interesting stories that I want you to hit on was the the story about when you're an IT audit. Uh, I think maybe it's your first IT audit, and um, you ask the the chief information officer what a LAN was. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was hoping you, you could tell us that story. And then oh, for, for the non, the non, non IT folks, if we don't, if you don't explicitly say it in the story, just what a, maybe a land is at some point. So okay. Also. Yeah. You, you may have to prompt me, but yeah, yeah. That's a, right. that, that, that'll bring some, some five seconds of anxiety, <laughs> but it'll all be right. fun. <laughs> all, right. all right. Everybody Google what a land is. L A N. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, so uh, the, the, the experience was, this was in the very beginning of my audit career in 07. Uh, at some point, uh, maybe six months into it, I was asked to perform an IT audit. And my, my background in, in anything tech was very, very, very limited. It was all academic and personal experience, meaning the MIS class you take at college. Yeah. Um, so I did the, my homework as best as I could to prepare for the audit. And as a, as a part of the, the interview process, I, I had to ask some questions and naively, very, very naively, uh, there were certain basics I didn't understand. And so I asked the CIO, uh, this, this acronym here, uh, LAN, WAN, can you give me some more insight into, and that, that was just the most embarrassing day of my life. <laughs> and I remember driving back home uh, after that, that, that interview, after that day was done, thinking to myself, I'm gonna quit. <laughs> I'm gonna quit this job, I, what, what the heck am I doing? Um, so LAN, WAN, MAN, uh, those are acronyms for different kinds of networks. You know, when, when you're at home, you have your home router, you have your, your desktops and laptops and other devices, and, and that's all part of your local area network. LAN stands for local area network. And when you work for a company, uh, every department, every, every function, there are, there, there are different LANs, different local area networks, and, and together they make up a wide area network, or the WAN. So it's networking term terminology to explain how uh, different types of networks and how they connect with each other. It makes sense altogether to, to provide whatever services people need in whatever enterprise that they run. Uh, but but uh, it, it's just a, a good reminder uh, that you really want to do your homework yeah. <laughs> before you dive in into whatever space you want to. I've got a, a similar story. I would always, like, I wouldn't ask that question because I didn't want people to think that I was an idiot when I first started out in audit. Yeah. And um, I remember eventually it kind of caught up to me because I would like go back and I would Google it and I'd spend so much time and I was like, look, obviously I can't know all of this stuff. Like it's okay to ask, what is that? You know? Right. Um, and it was, I remember I was on this engagement and in the work paper, it said LOB, capital LOB. And I was like, uh, yeah, can you help me understand what LOB was or, or is? And um, the client was like, um, line of business. And I was like, Oh yeah. What an idiot. <laughs> I could empathize with that story. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about real quick was, so 
I've seen some videos of you doing jujitsu mm. relative to cybersecurity principles. And I yeah. thought that was, uh, if nothing else, it's very unique. So I wanted to kind of give you a chance to explain sure. what that is and how people can, can see those. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, first of all, I've, I've been practicing for several years. It's, it's a big passion of mine. I had to take a small break because, uh, again, hashtag COVID. But yeah. uh, big, big passion of mine. It's really fun martial art system, self-defense system. And a, a good friend of mine, his name is Pedro Serrano, uh, CIS of GRDA. Uh, we, we talked about doing a talk on audit versus security. The idea was how can we improve relationships between auditors and security people? We have to work together. This challenge of cybersecurity is humongous. And, and while there's no silver bullet, if we work together, it's gotta be easier, right? Mm -hmm. So we did, we did a talk at a local ISSA chapter. It was a joint meeting between ISSA and ISACA. So this, you know, before COVID, this was in person. Uh, but the idea was, and by the way, here we are wearing martial arts gear about to swing at each other. <laughs> so it was really fun, but we kept it peaceful. Um, but so the idea is whether it's jujitsu or taekwondo or muay thai, there's a lot of very powerful martial arts systems out there. Martial arts is it's a it's a very special set of uh, body of knowledge and experience. It's challenging. It's difficult. As a in jujitsu, as you progress in jujitsu, you you learn techniques, you learn attacks, you learn defenses, you, you learn to correct, you learn to anticipate. So long story short, there's a lot of really powerful lessons you can apply from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu onto the real world. So the first one I recall, we had, we had three real world scenarios. And, and this was, again, in the context of audit and security help being part of some sort of problem at a company. And the first principle was <clears throat> uh, position before submission. So in Jiu-Jitsu, position before submission means that before you do the fancy rear naked chokes and the arm locks and shoulder locks and those different submissions that look, that look really popular in a, on TV, you wanna, get, you wanna be ready, you wanna be prepared, you wanna have a good dominant position, the right technique and the right position at the right angle to maximize the odds that you're really gonna pull that off and your opponent is gonna tap and maybe pass out, who knows, depends on how many you wanna be. <laughs> um, but so position before submission, very, very fundamental principle in jujitsu so we applied it to the real world and we said several things like, so auditor, security people, let's build relationships initially. Let's, let's prepare, let's uh, develop some trust and communication early on in anticipation of the issues that were gonna happen. So our dominant position, meaning let's have a strong relationship, have a dominant situation so that we can be ready to pull the trigger to attack a problem, whatever the problem that may be. So there's a few other principles out there. So that, that, that was the first one okay. that we covered. Okay. And we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to, to some of those videos for everybody to check out. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, so thanks for sharing that with us. Sure, sure. Um, all right. So to the kind of topics at hand, um, mm -hmm. I know a topic that you talk about and kind of passionate about is the internal <laughs> audit evolution. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of tee it up in that way and then let you kind of let you go. So what is the internal audit evolution? So it starts with <clears throat> this idea of the future internal auditor. You and I, both in audit uh, and, and risk, we, you know, we come across webinars and videos and articles that talk about the future internal auditor. Mm -hmm. It's very buzzworthy, buzzy, right? Uh, yeah. uh, and, and what I often see, I mean, tell me how you feel about this, what I often see is this emphasis on skills. The future internal auditor should know cybersecurity, 
you know, artificial intelligence, data analytics, blah, 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 all yep. that stuff. All very intimidating, all very stressing. If you think about all that you might need to learn to get there. And confusing. Very confusing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and most of us, uh, I, I'm guessing, you know, I haven't looked at any numbers, but I'm guessing most of us are probably business majors, accounting, finance background professionals still, right? Right. So even more the case. So, but, so on the one hand, there's that. Uh, but on the other hand, there's the, the soft skills bit. The soft skills bit for the future internal auditor probably has to do with communication. That's always been a thing for a while. So I'll put that aside. That's a given. We got to speak better, write better, deal better with politics. But there's something I don't hear often enough. And that is the, the portion about learning. So the future internal auditor, I'm willing to bet, has to be an auditor that's continuously learning. I mean, beyond the 40 hours of CP every year. Yeah. As a matter of ongoing protocol, uh, the future internal auditor has to be the one that is learning new things all the time. And, and so when I think about all those things, I, I ended up doing a talk at the GRC conference this year. It's the one that's done by ISAC and IA. And the talk, which is to your point earlier about evolution, the talk was internal audit evolution by unnatural selection. And I picked that because, you know, evolution is controversial. So I wanted to get some eyeballs. <laughs> and I think it worked out. Uh, but, but there was truth in that. Uh, what, if I were to think about how we normally professionally evolve, the old school professionally uh, evolutionary mindset, I think about a few things. The first one is anybody that wants to do any substantial learning will go to college. Mm -hmm. I went to college because of college, I got a job and we all have to do that depending on what we want to do. But when, when we think about substantial learning, we think about getting a college degree which takes a long time, right? Three, four, five, six years. If I want to get a master's right now as a full-time employee, I could be looking at a four-year commitment on a part-time basis. So college, school takes a long time. Old school thinking. Old school thinking is when we're done with the degree, which again is the substantial portion of learning, we take a break. We say, all right, I got my degree. I got my bachelor's and master's. I'm going to cruise on by with the CP certificates. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, another, another old school thinking I, I would say is we stick to where we're good at. So if you're the financial accounting auditor, you had 10 years of, of in that space, you got a lot of experience, you got a pipeline of audits, a lot of work. You're like, hey, I don't have to touch security with a 10 foot pole. I am really good at this. That's what the security people are for, the IT auditors, right? Um, and then there's the CP certificate. Uh, getting a cert is great. It's a, it's a sign of, of a lot of really good things about you as a professional. But if all you do is get your 20 or 40 hour CP a year, that's old school thinking. So what I talked about was, let's go from old school to new school, a new school being uh, being uh, the internal audit evolution by unnatural selection. And that is, uh, for example, whenever we go to college, you can think of each class as a module. So, but if you go to college, you are limited or restricted to take the classes they require of you, even if they don't make any sense. I don't know about you, I have never used humanities ever. Not once, <laughs> not once. Ever, not once. Um, so, but once you have your degree, now you're a professional. Question is, what do you need to learn? And can you learn it in a modular way with modern resources? So we have these things called MOOCs, Massively Open Online Courses, edX, Udacity, um, Coursera, FutureLearn. These are all resources that are out there. And, and you can learn content for free. If you want certificates, you, you have to pay. Um, uh, but there are resources now that we didn't have 10, 15 years ago to learn virtually anything we can imagine. And I'm not even counting YouTube, which I use to fix everything in my house, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, you, you, YouTube has made me a plumber. Uh, so 
future internal auditor, we got to be modular. We got to specifically identify the things we have to learn. We don't have time for crap. We got to focus on what we have to learn. Let's use modern resources. We got lots of resources out there. Let's, let's incorporate virtual machines. Let's incorporate tools to, to simulate networks, uh, not just read definitions and, and understand how things are. We got we to gotta know the definitions. We also need hands-on knowledge and experience. Yeah. And, and um, there, there's a few other things. I'll, I'll just mention two more, two more bits. Um, I, I mentioned to folks, I proposed this idea. What if, what if every audit department had its own innovation lab? Mm-hmm. So companies have innovation labs. Some, some do, not everybody, some do. And those that have innovation labs, they have a, a, some you know, broad spectrum of people and their job is just to be disruptive. What can we, we do differently? How can we more efficient? How can we make more money? That's all really great. But if you're not disrupting yourself, you're going to let the market disrupt you. And when I think about that, initially, right now in 2020, it doesn't seem so scary, but when I imagine... You know, a, a lot of the advances we're experiencing are influenced by technology, by information technology, mm-hmm. which, as you know, is affected by Moore's law, i.e. the power compounding uh, doubles every uh, computing doubles every 12 to 18 months. Right. And, and this is basically the chart. It becomes an exponential growth. Mm-hmm. But if we're, our learning is not exponential, it's very linear. So the question is, if we have exponential growth with our learning being linear, <laughs> my fancy visualization, <laughs> at some point, at some point, something's going to break. Yeah. Right. And that's going to be. Uh, what uh, stress? Uh, people will feel panic-stricken. Feel people feel like they're falling behind. So we gotta change the way we learn, the way we grow, because things are moving really, really fast. Yeah, so. that's a great analogy. That, and then I really like the way you put it: uh, disrupt yourself. We have to. Right? I think that's a great way to put it. Um, I know we've had so Stephanie Nuesi. She was on the podcast <clears throat> a few episodes ago, and that was her big thing, also. And and she was. Uh, at the time she was an intern, an audit intern. Mm. And she has this like really fantastic story about uh, moving to the country and not getting accepted into college and all this. That's like right. just a crazy good story. And so the, the thing that she pointed to the most was um, learning, just like you're saying also. And, and I think even the, the episode of, or the title of her episode might've been like the future internal auditor mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's, and that's what her, you know, her opinion was too. And she's doing exactly what you're saying. She's there's free certification or, or not free certifications, but free training all over the place. I mean, it seems like it's been a boom now, um, especially during COVID or, or maybe exactly. there's, just, there's more, exactly. it's being highlighted more as people have more downtime and they're, you know, I'm starting to see people, Hey, I took this training and this one. I literally, I literally saw one today on data analytics that somebody got some kind of LinkedIn data analytics right. certification or stuff literally today. Um, so yeah, those resources are definitely out there. Um, is there, I know you're in security. Is there like a specific topic or if someone designed a module for themselves, um, what would, what would that be you think? Or maybe if, if you're doing it for yourself, what would it be right now? This is for security and tech. Um, so being the guy that, that many years ago didn't know what a LAN was, <laughs> I made, I made a lot of mistakes. I have screwed up a ton. In the beginning, I didn't have any mentors. I'm lucky now that I have some technical mentors I can go to, and I do go to them often. Um, in the beginning, I made a lot of mistakes in, in terms of I didn't know what direction to take, didn't know what to study. And, and again, that's night and day as it relates to what resource we have now. Well, you do have a, a, a lot of options. Uh, you can go to resources in, within Coursera or Udemy or edX and find uh, courses that are in, are in cybersecurity and technology. Uh, and a lot of these resources will tell you the prerequisites. So 
if you have to have already a year of experience as a programmer or as, as a networking engineer, you're going to see that, you know, there's some stuff with, with Google cloud that looks really interesting. And it'll tell you, you got to have intermediate experience in this and this and that. Mm -hmm. So, so do keep that in mind. Now, the one thing that eventually worked for me is if you're completely brand new with no tech and no security, uh, I, I thought to myself, why don't we steal a page from how technology professionals learn if they're brand new to the field. So, and, and by the way, do it in a, in, a, in a manner which is very experiential, very experimental. So you get as much of it as possible. So uh, there's this organization called CompTIA <clears throat> that does a certificate. How do you, how do you spell that? Uh, C-O-M-P-T-I-A, CompTIA. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so they're like, they're like an ISACA or IA in that they offer certifications, but for technology folks. Mm -hmm. So if you want to work as a help desk professional, you study for the CompTIA uh, Help uh, Fundamentals Plus or A Plus. And A Plus is about hardware and software. Uh, what's inside of a computer? What's, what, what are some of the administrative functions within a Windows 10 operating system? So that's what you study if you want to get into a help desk gig. Uh, networking, Net Plus or Network Plus. So you, you, you want to get into networking, you can get the CompTIA Net Plus cert and make that happen. Security plus, sec plus, same thing, but for security. So I thought to myself, if I, if I want to be a really effective IT auditor or get into security, uh, but from the context of IT audit, uh, how is it that I both learn the principles I have to learn to be a good IT auditor, but also get the technical hands-on skills to make that happen? Yeah, good point. Because yeah. You, you, can't have, you cannot have the principles without the tech. It's impossible. You won't be effective. And again, I'm speaking from experience. I'm being hard on me. Let's yeah. be clear about that. <laughs> um, so my recommendation in this path was study for the certifications like you're going to take the certifications, but don't take the certification unless you want to. Um, so well, you can, again, brand new, you can buy a book, the study guide for the CompTIA Fundamentals Plus, learn the material. It's covering the absolute basics. The book is enough at this stage, in my opinion. You can also do videos because this has been a certification. There's video prep out there. Mm -hmm. Get that out of the way. Next, you go with A+. Again, your background was not in tech, but with A+, you get to learn things that technology professionals will learn. What's a motherboard? What's a processor? What's cache memory? This or that storage, whatever. And you're going to learn all those things. BIOS, UA5. You buy the book, do the videos, learn the material. You also learn about Windows 10 operating system. But at this stage in the learning process, my recommendation for people, incorporate the experiential. Mm -hmm. So either simultaneously or sequentially, study for the, the, the cert, book or video or both, but also play with your hands, play with the, the machine, play with, with the real world. So you can either take an old PC you have at home and take out the motherboard and as you're learning stuff, actually break things, have, some, have, have a blast, uh, play with you, go, go to open, open, uh, uh, turn on your machine, play with uh, UAC, play with administrative configurations. You more than likely, if you don't have a tech bracket or security, you more than likely have a local admin running your machine anyway. So you can do anything you want regardless. Mm -hmm. So basically what you're learning in this book or in the video, you can apply to the real world. Same thing with, with networking. Now, with the A+, you can do things at home because you have a computer at home and you have a, a Windows 10 OS system you can play with. But if you're wanting to learn networking, it's a little hard for people, you would think, because they're not going to buy networking equipment. However, there's this thing called a virtual lab. So there's some resources out there. Uh, I'm a member of one of them uh, that offers tons of virtual labs, which is just basically a, it's a, it's a virtual environment with a virtual computer that, that will allow you to do whatever can be done within, within that system. 
what, what would one of those resources be like that you have access to sure. so that the, the folks that if they're interested, they can go sign up for it? There's cyberry.it and there's itpro.tv, I believe. Okay. Those are at least two that I know. There are others that I've heard about uh, that, 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 I've heard, that, that I know exist, but I haven't really done anything with them. But those two I know are very respected mm-hmm. in the industry. Um, and any technology certification you can think of, be it CCNA for Cisco networking, CISSP for security from a manager perspective, ethical hacking, CEH, these resources have virtual labs. So if you're, if you're again, the new guy and you're, you're learning the A-plus material, hardware, software, you're basically learning how do computers work, you can simultaneously do the virtual lab for that certification. Virtual computer, virtual motherboard, virtual OS, and you're learning as you're going hands-on. And unlike just reading a book where you're going to forget everything within 60 days, yeah. you're actually going to retain stuff. And you're going to have real-world skills. And, and the great thing about those virtual environments is you can break them. I mean, the expectation is you're right. going to blow it up. And like they have, they, right. they back it up. I know there was, when I had access to all that stuff, um, like we had like sandbox environments for SAP and Unix and like, I mean, Oracle, everything. And like, they know we're going to blow the thing up. Sure. So there's no fear of, you know, well, if I push this button, then it's going to blow up and I don't know how to fix Nothing. it. You just hit the reset button basically. Yeah. Uh, and it starts over. So um, yeah, those are Those are really good resources. Hey, everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. And then again, you don't have to buy any hardware. That's the beautiful thing. It's really, really easy for people that are uncomfortable with buying anything. You can do it online. And once you have that exposure, then if you want to get a physical router or a switch and play with it some more, then you can. It just depends on the person. Yeah. I like the idea that this whole idea that you're talking about and doing it on your own. Um, An example that I have, I was on an engagement when I was in external audit and we had to do sudo testing. So sudo yeah. is, is permissions within a, a Unix environment. Um, right. So just think, um, you know, if you have a Windows machine, it's the same as being, you can, we'll say more or less the administrator, like you have access to do everything. Exactly. Sort of. um, and so we did this, just this crazy amount. We actually, it was, it was more of an analytics test than anything um, and testing these permissions and it's, it's, you know, command line driven. So it was fairly new to me. This was the, I think it was the first, it was the second engagement that I was on. So my first year in an audit. And um, so like, I'm doing all this research on it because I don't know anything about it and realize I have a, like a spare laptop or my personal laptop at home and I could put Unix on it and learn how to do some of these commands. Like I could literally write it, you know, myself and see what happens. So simple stuff, move a file from here to this directory, this directory. Um, but like getting that hands-on knowledge with it, I know, like I distinctly remember going to talk to the Unix admin and the conversation, you know, of course we were talking audit and the risks and all that kind of stuff and how to test it and what this means and that means. Um, but then we probably spent 45 minutes just, you know, me saying, Hey, I installed that on my machine the other day. And what do you think? And what, and he was like, Oh man, you can do this and this, and let me show you how to do this. And so, 
um, there's also this level of, you know, like respect for um, the fact that we understand that technology, right. you know? Right. And so we had this amazing relationship and this was a, this was a major part, like probably in terms of hours, we put more hours into this than anything else. So I was bugging this guy constantly and he was totally fine with it. Cause he's like, look, I know you're trying to learn this stuff and um, I appreciate that. So he was, you know, really patient with me. So, um, so just a, a story I wanted to tell. The, the other thing I wanted to add to what you're saying is you're talking about, you get the book and you go through the book um, and learn these principles. Something that as a, a learner myself, I've, I've done research on learning how to learn. Mm -hmm. So how can I best learn? Right. And probably some of the best advice in there, or one of the key points was go to an expert already in that field and ask them basically like, where should I start? So if we have this thousand page book um, we might be spending a bunch of time on a specific, uh, tech or, 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 concept only to realize it's really not that important. We just don't understand the full picture to know that. So yeah, that's a really good point. That's, uh, some advice that I would give is, um, reach out to experts in the field and ask them where to start or, or even what to avoid. Um, I always like the, uh, the, the 80, 20 Pareto analysis, you know, where can I get, uh, where can I put 20% of my time to get the, the best 80%, you know, results kind of thing. So, um, something that, that I like to recommend there. And then I was reading the other day earlier this week, actually, and someone said people will bend over backwards to share their experience and advice with you. You know, like if you ask, like, so I, I say that to say, don't be hesitant to reach out to somebody, maybe, you know, not everybody's going to say yes, but more times than not, somebody's going to say, Dude, I would love to tell you, you know, about my expertise and, and where you should start and things like that. So that's a good um, point. Don't, don't be afraid to ask a question. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you, you share your experience earlier. You and I both asked questions that somebody would say are stupid questions, but yeah. who cares? Who cares? Yeah. You, you don't want to not ask it. Cause then you have the, the anxiety of the uncertainty for who knows how long. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. I think there's a lot of great points there. I know you also want to talk about like specific steps that you can take to become that future internal auditor. Do you have any, um, any more um, practical for the people that are listening that can say, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. So going back to what I was covering initially about modular learning, using modern resources. Uh, one thing I, I failed to mention is we, we have to prioritize how important it is to learn new stuff. Because again, my, my fancy visualization. <laughs> um, so I remember years ago coming across some Bureau of Labor Statistics survey on how many hours the typical, the average American spends on entertain, entertainment and TV. And it was like six hours a day of entertainment. So, so great for those of us are Netflix shareholders. Right. Um, <laughs> so six hours a day on entertainment and three on watching TV. Uh, three hours a day, right? So imagine if you cut that by half. If you spend one and a half hour a day watching TV, an hour and a half, or even just one hour a day learning new things. What, what a difference that's going to make for you. What an investment that, that is going to be for you in the long run. So we have to find a way to, to embed that in our, in our culture, learning new things, learning often. And you have to write this stuff down. If you, for the same reason, somebody would say to you, Trent, you want to be an entrepreneur, write a business plan. Let that be step one. And at the same time, obviously, the business plan isn't the requirement or the condition to be successful. Mm -hmm. But it's going to make you think about things you probably hadn't thought about before. It'll at least minimize the uncertainty for you. 
Same thing with learning. Create a, a, a learning plan. Make it a one, two, three strategic plan. Be the CEO of your learning experience. And you got to be ready to pay up. You know, don't limit your educational growth by the tuition reimbursement of your company. Don't limit it by the reimbursable scope of stuff for your company. Uh, I would say to people, allocate money for, for learning new things like you were for planning a vacation. Absolutely. You know, I, I do uh, 100 bucks a month max, and I tend to spend no more than 40 or 50 a month for learning new things. I have a $300 subscription to one of those servers I mentioned to you earlier that gives me access to virtual machines and virtual labs because I use them all the time to continuously stay up where there's learning more about cloud or this or that. And those are really powerful resources. That's an investment. And nowadays, 2020, and you, you were talking about how uh, there's so much, so many resources out there even now because of the pandemic. Uh, there's a lot of content. The, the world's knowledge base is literally at our fingertips yeah. and it's not super expensive like it might have been you know, 10 years ago. So pay up, get ready to pay up and just make that part of, part of uh, what you do. Um, and in terms of additional steps, uh, you know, what exactly you learn, you know, going, switching from soft skills to hard skills, what exactly you learn uh, may immediately be influenced by your path in life and what you want to do. So for example, I don't think everybody needs to become the highly most technical IT auditor and security professional, right? But I think every person needs to have some security fundamentals. Every person needs to understand what is a password manager, why have it, why every account you have needs to be a long passphrase, unique and, and, and usable, why you apply multi-factor on everything, mm -hmm. no matter what. So there's a long list of basic recommendations, which by the way, apply home too. You know, your home router uh, needs to be secured, needs to be configured so that it's no longer uh, potentially accessible by people with bad intentions. So you don't have to be a technical expert but learning fundamentals of security will improve you, protect your family and protect your company. So you're less likely to click on those stupid links. Everybody harps on phishing, really, really effective way to get attacks to, to, to start and actually for, for attackers to uh, enter the, the enterprise. Um, but links are meant to be clicked on. It's so unnatural, right? You tell people a thousand times a day, don't click links, but you're like, but it's right there. It's a hyperlink. I'm supposed to click the damn thing, right? It's so tempting. You know? Totally tempting, and I get it. You know, I'm not even accounting for OCDs that people want to do this all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, bottom line, no matter what you do, learn some basics in cybersecurity. Yep. Now, for people that are internal audit, I am so confident that we have zero downside in learning the code. Specifically, if you got to pick a language, learn the code in Python. Mm -hmm. So. Why uh, learn Python? Why learn any coding for, to start with? First of all, it's cool. You know, you can tell your kids you know how to code. Let me just yeah. you know, check <laughs> off the bucket list. Uh, but as an auditor, when you code in Python, one of the things you may get out of that is if you're already using tools like IDA and ACL or anything else out there, uh, I, I just recently learned just in the last year that these tools are either currently incorporating Python or will. I learned the other day, one of these tools have, have data science libraries, right? So that's now. You know, that, that, that's, that's in our current state of profession, right? So learn to code in Python because that's the programming language. That's the, the go-to language for artificial intelligence, for data science. Folks in security can use that too. I have some friends that are pen testers and I know one of them uh, does an annual class at a B-side seminar, really smart guy. And, and he, 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 his class is on building exploits, building malware. Mm -hmm. And he uses Python as one of those technologies, right? So learning Python will, will give you a, a, a foundational knowledge that will open doors for you, whether it's enhancing your analytics ability, whether it's you, by the way, learning data science. 
one of those things, one of those skills that we talked about that, that's in the, in the, the hard skill component of the future auditor is data science and machine learning. And uh, anybody who wants to become a machine learning engineer, they're going to they're have to learn Python. Yeah. Um, if you want to get into data science and be able to, to analyze lots of data, build cool visualizations, you need to learn Python. And there's also R, but Python seems to be the popular one. Yeah. Uh, so if you had to pick one, why not pick the one that has the most growth, right? Yeah. So I strongly recommend people get into develop some, some Python programming skills. And, and by the way, uh, some of the principles you learn in, 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 in learning a code, like uh, what is a while loop? What's a for loop? What's an if then statement? These are different, different ways to, these are conditional statements that allow you to do things in a really efficient way. Well, if you're not tempted to do a little RPA, another future order thing, you can, you can go with a no-code solution. I'm not going to endorse vendors, but you can go with, with a solution that doesn't really require you to code. But I bet you're going to find that at some point in you developing the workflow of the bot, you're going to be asked to pick while loops or for yep. loops or if-then statements. Yep. So yet another use case, why a non-programmer of an auditor learns to code and enhances his or her ability to do stuff and get closer to the future auditor. Yeah, I'm glad you hit on the the automation piece because that's um, really a big plus with Python is being able to automate procedures, um, automate your like just your daily tasks. Yeah. Um, I have a, a a dumb bot, I guess I would call it, and all it does is it runs at 4:30 every day, and it pops open my um, my Trello board, you know, like my board to basically my to do list and project management kind of tool. Um, that's and awesome. Also, do what now? No, go ahead. I'm, I'm just bragging about you. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, and then I also have, it's just an Excel file that opens and it says, it's just a checklist. It's um, clear the, clear my desktop off. Cause I, a lot of times I'll put big files on the desktop and that's a resource hog. So, I, you know, make sure to clean those up. Otherwise it starts to get bogged down. Um, you know, delete folders, uh, update the, the Trello board. It's just a checklist of things to do at the end of the day. Um, or at least the, the first half of the end of the day. And so I'll do those and then it sets me up to do whatever I'm going to do that evening and for the next day. And it's something very simple, but it is automated and I don't have to think about, oh, I need to do that. You know, it's just, it pops up in my face and no matter what's going on at 4.30, all right, well, it's time to do that because it's right there. Um, so, so automation is like, there's, it's not just, let's automate audit procedures. It's automating mm. like your day-to-day um, I was reading right. the other day about a guy is on a message board and he was like, I automated 90% of my job and <laughs> like, now I just reply to emails all the time. But I mean, he, his job is getting done. So, um, <laughs> if you need more motivation, maybe there's your additional motivation. The other thing that you mentioned that, that I really liked is investing in yourself in terms mm. of put a budget for, and maybe not even a budget. I mean, you don't have to, you know, uh, do anything crazy but you know whatever, yeah, no, no formality needed yeah 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 a hundred bucks or whatever I, I you know i can get away with a hundred dollars a month um and using that to invest in the your learning mm -hmm. and you'll find that you know once it's your money that you're spending you're going to pay a little bit more attention to what it is that you signed exactly. up for exactly and you're going to be um you're going to maybe critique or do with more intent what you pick. So it's not just, oh, I got to get CPE. Let me sign up. What right. uh, this look? This seems okay. I'll just sign up for that. I'm not paying for it anyway. You're gonna go, hey, I, this is what I know I need to learn. I'm gonna go sign up for it, and I'm gonna pay attention because it's my money. Um, so that's a great. That's point, a really, right? really good point. I'm glad you made it. You're gonna be more selective. You're gonna be more purposeful. Yeah. And maybe I'm just feeling this way because I'm 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 younger or older than I look. 
but uh, <laughs> but when we think about again the, the rate of growth of technology and how how we're, how we're learning that huge differential, it, it makes sense to be more efficient with our time, to be more selective. And and I'll be honest with you, um, I'm, I, will, I won't be critical of the specific resources, but not everything I've done is perfect. I have taken some classes that are phenomenal. Uh, I have taken some classes that are garbage. And the moment I thought it was garbage, I disenrolled and got out of it. And, and for those of you out there that are creating content, if you just give me a bunch of paragraphs and PowerPoint slides and you speak about them, I'm gonna get the hell out of there as fast as I can, right? Because <laughs> that serves me no value whatsoever. So you have to be selective. You have, but the, the, the beautiful thing about modular, you know, a self-teaching and learning journey is you can go for the efficient path. You don't have to take the humanities. You can pick and choose what works best for you. Yeah. So if, if uh, people that are listening, if, if you said, hey, stop, just hit the pause button on this thing right now and go, this is the first step, go do this. This is what I would recommend you go do. What would, what would that be as far as, as the learning path? What would that be like, hey, stop. Whatever we're going to talk about for the rest of the show isn't as important as you stopping right now and going to do this. Oh, that's a good question. That is a really good question. So <clears throat> let, me, let me think about this for a second. This is a, this is a what do you do now for everybody, regardless of position, regardless of tenure. Um, I would say is going at this from a risk perspective, mm -hmm. cyber security basics. Okay. Cybersecurity Google, basics. Google cybersecurity basics, take what, 30 minutes and read some articles and, and maybe reach out to somebody and ask some questions and say, Hey, Good. I was reading this article, especially, Hey, for the authors, the people that wrote the article, if you send mm -hmm. them a message and say, Hey, I read your article, they're going to go, Holy, I'm so flattered. Thank you. So <laughs> and then I had this question about it. Do you mind talking about it or answering it? And, and more times than not, they will get back to you and, and mm -hmm. kind of help you out. And then you, not only do you have the answer to your question, you also have a relationship with someone that you can probably lean on a little bit more down the road. So yeah, I think that's a, a fantastic idea. Um, and, and I will tell you real quick. So if, if, you, if you Google anything about cybersecurity basics, you're going to get a lot of stuff. And it's really hard to tell what resources are great, what resources are not. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I have no doubt about it, but there's one particular resource. One, one thing I did that worked really well for me, um, there's this organization called SANS. It's a training organization like, like ISOC and IA and like, like, the, like those organizations that offer, offer certs. Well, they have this newsletter called OUCH and I, I forget what it stands for, but literally O-U-C-H, OUCH. Okay. It's a free newsletter about a cybersecurity basic cybersecurity awareness and it's a monthly newsletter. You register, get it for free or, or look at it yourself online. But the point is, if you look, look at the last 12 months worth of newsletters, all the wisdom you're going to get throughout those newsletters from so remote access security to malware to social engineering. I've got hacked. What do I do? Lots of things. It takes a little bit of effort, but if you spend, let's say, an hour, just one hour, you will go through several newsletters and you're immediately going to be empowered. I mean, first of all, you're going to be panic stricken. And after you get past the panic, you go, okay, <laughs> I, I see what I need to do. I have to get, I have to enable a multi factor on everything. I have to do this. I have to do that. So the ouch newsletter from SANS. Just, just Google Sans and ouch, uh, and you'll get, you'll get it. That's a really good resource. Perfect. I think that's a fantastic takeaway. Um, and I'll put a, a link to the, in the show notes. So, um, you click on that and, and get signed up for it. Is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, just, uh, don't be discouraged. If you feel overwhelmed when you, when you read all the many articles that are definitely going to keep coming our way about knowing this or that security data science, all that stuff. Uh, don't be overwhelmed. Just take it one step at a time. And, and that, that's, that's a key piece. Also, again, speaking from experience, 
if you use any of these modern resources and you end up feeling like it isn't good enough, or maybe you don't know enough, maybe you don't have enough the prerequisites done, don't give up. There's other stuff. I mean, I, speaking from experience, I, I'm like six classes into trying to learn data science, and it took me six classes to find the right one, mm -hmm. which I think is golden. I, I'm loving learning data science right now because they picked the right class, but it took five failures to get there. Yeah. So don't be discouraged if you fail. Just see it as an opportunity to pivot, learn from your lessons, and move forward. Yeah, that's great. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll close it on that. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any engagements coming up as far as speaking engagements or articles or anything, anything like that, that you uh, would want to point people to if they want to hear more from you? I do, but I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know the dates. <laughs> I have a, have a conference next year, but uh, uh, I'll uh, hit me up on LinkedIn and for sure I'll, I'll announce it then. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.